Welcome to A Sensory Emotional Lens. I am Michelle Parkins. All right, so the hustle and bustle is always the theme of the season for us as parents, caregivers, and professionals. I'm sure that you can all relate. We have to finish this. We have to plan that. We have to order this. We have to prepare that. Do I have enough presents? We have to coordinate this for school. Now it's grandma's and what do our kids need? And just really focusing on pretty much everybody but ourselves. So we often get caught up in this go, go, go and try to make everything perfect. But we have to remember that we ourselves need to slow down. We need to regulate our own bodies and our own sensory emotional experiences in this time of year and really always. But how? Today we're switching gears a bit and focusing on you and how understanding your own sensory emotional personality can help you find regulation and joy during the holiday season. So welcome to a sensory emotional lens on you and finding joy during the holidays. The way that we process sensations and move our body impacts the emotions that we feel, and the emotions that we feel impact the way that we process sensations and move our body. The way that we sense, move, and feel impacts the way that we act and interact with others, essentially our personalities. So we as adults also sense, move, and feel in just as many ways as our kids do. So after all, we are all sensory beings. We often talk about this topic with our kids in mind, but we need to stop and think that we, we also can relate to many of these experiences. We all t- take in sensations. We all move. We all have emotional experiences to those experiences every day. So today we're going to explore our own sensory emotional personalities found within adults and how this understanding can help us find joy during the holiday season. Today I'm joined by Anne-Marie Murphy to help us explore this topic a little bit further. Anne-Marie is an occupational therapist here at Great Kids Place. She has advanced training and certification from the Sensory Treatment and and Research Institute, specializing in the evaluation and treatment of sensory processing disorder. She holds her doctorate and master's in occupational therapy and a bachelor's degree in psychology, supporting her interest in understanding the neurobiology of sensory processing and the impacts on SPD can have on engagement in occupations, social-emotional development, parent stress, and family dynamics. I'm so glad she's here with us to talk today about this important topic. Hi, Anne-Marie. Hi, everyone. I'm so excited to be here today. This is one of my favorite topics. Over the last decade, I've spent time researching the lived experience of adults and children through a sensory lens in various populations and dynamics. Through this experience, I've worked with adults and parents on understanding their sensory profiles, how they impact relationships, and how our habits, roles, and routines change over different seasons of our lives, which can both support and impact overall regulation and engagement. For example, before you had children, you may have had a lifestyle that infused opportunities for regulation without even realizing it, and then after having children, your roles and habits change, which may no longer include things that were helping you. But if we can identify what supports us and how we can get them back into your daily routine, we can make these connections and find things that will help us get to a regulated state to find joy. From a relationship perspective, if we can understand our own experience of the world and take time to gain insight on how others take in the world, we can start to see that two people living in the same moment are not necessarily living the same experience. And from there, learning how to adapt the experience to make it enjoyable for everyone. The sensory emotional lens really helps us see how we can support that. 
Okay, great. Thanks for setting that foundation for us. So as I mentioned, we don't often stop and think about these concepts for ourselves as adults. So we'll start with that and just sort of reflecting on how do we know which how we process sensations and our emotional expression to it. We as adults have certain patterns and behaviors that we just do and we don't stop and think about why we do them. So um, we're going to offer just a couple of checklist items, if you will, to say if you identify with these, then this could be your sensory emotional personality. And just as with our kids, we have several, right? So we're not the way of our way of being is not consistent always. Uh, we may have one style of way of being with in one situation and another in another situation. So please know that you may identify with more than one of these. So we'll start with our anxious yet deeply feeling sensory emotional personality. So how do we know as adults if this SEP is part of our own way of being? Some of the things that we might experience is overwhelm from sensations of the day. So you may not realize at this point in time that it's from the sensations of the day, but if overwhelmed is something that you commonly um, feel, right, or say, like, oh, I'm so overwhelmed, I'm so overwhelmed, right, that this may be a cause that you're feeling a lot of sensations throughout the day and potentially more than others around you. You can tend to worry about what will be experienced. So if you have a event coming up, you can find yourself a little bit anxious about what might be happening at that event. What might the place be like? Um, or you could just be agitated, right? Um, do you feel agitated and not excited about new events or big events or events that you've done before, but you're not sure why? You just don't know. It, you know it doesn't feel comfortable. So this discomfort with certain experiences um, feeling stressed when you have to engage with new people or in new environments. Uncomfortable with random activities, right? Being surprised by something new um, or the unpredictability of a certain activity and being needing to make that quick adaptation. So if quick adaptations in the moment is something that feels tricky for you, that could be part of this um, anxious yet deeply feeling personality style where a lot of sensations are happening and you need to keep check on those sensations. So if something random happens, you lose that check and, and it becomes overwhelming or uncomfortable. Do you become disoriented from active movement? So if you move a lot or even if you're just spin around quickly or reach down to get something or stand up quickly, do you have the experience of feeling um, disoriented from that? Do you get distracted or bothered by the environment? So different noises or movement around you, uh, different visual opportunities, do you become easily distracted? So you may identify with that side where you're, you have a certain maybe negative emotional experience. We may also have ways of being that we don't think about, but we just do. So gravitating towards familiar activities or preferring to stay in one place versus moving around. Avoiding other people who can be big, right? Our big people who are loud or very affective or move a lot or touch a lot, right? Are those the people that you tend to kind of go, eh, I don't really need to be around that person. Um, do you get a quick feel for others, these gut feelings? When you walk into a room or when you meet somebody new, do you have a very quick feeling about that person? 
Or do you get overwhelmed by big emotions from others? So you may try to fix them, right? So this could be emotions of your partner, of your friends, of your children. Um, When they feel something big or do something big, we try to fix it very, very quickly, right? And we just want to make it go away. Or we set up a situation so that they don't happen in the first place, right? So we spend a lot of time, and I say we because this is certainly a sensory emotional personality that I very much identify with. Um, But we spend a lot of time making sure things are happening a specific way so that we can remain in control of those experiences. So if this is a way of being that you identify with, I'm going to kick this over to Anne-Marie. So essentially, if we are in this kind of situation, um, you can definitely go back to our most recent podcasts on behaviors and you may identify with some of those behavior patterns for yourselves this time of year and have a better understanding of why it might be happening. So we won't go so much into the why today as much as what to do about it. We want to spend a lot of time here so that we can kind of get to the point, if you will, (laughs) of how to help ourselves. So for our anxious yet deeply feeling personality styles, we want to tap into what we call our yets, which is the more positive strength-based side of experiencing the world in this way. And so we're we're tapping into those a bit that ability to feel the room out um, and be extra connected to what's going on around us to help us feel safe and secure, protected, and within control and power. So Anne-Marie, what are some ways that we can do that? So if you identify with this personality, I want you to um, think about in advance to going to these situations of what might not feel good for you. Is it the sounds that might bother you? Is it the touch? Is it the unexpectedness? Is it the movement of the hustle and bustle? And advocate for your needs. So how long can you be in an event? How many things can you do at an event? Um, Try to advocate for those. And if that's tricky for you to be your own advocate, which can be true for our deep feelers, Um, I want you to try to think about if you were doing this for your child or your friend. So if your friend was the one that was feeling overwhelmed and uncomfortable, we would likely want them to tell us, you know, how they were feeling and how we could support them. So try to do that as a reframe for yourself of like, okay, if I was this person and this is how they were feeling, I would want them to tell me that, you know, this was too much for them uh, and use that as a way to advocate for yourself. Um, Using that yet side Um, of reading the room, you can make decisions about how to engage that's most comfortable. So I also identify with this profile. And something that I do for myself is I anchor my body in a space that people can come and go to me when I'm at a holiday party. So I have my space, I know where I am. um, I feel grounded in, in my seat, and people can still engage and it happens very naturally. I don't even know if other people realize what I'm doing. Um, But it's a it's a, a a coping strategy that I've used for a very long time. uh, And it works. um, And it works for our kids too. And you may, like Anne-Marie just said, other people may not know you're doing that, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. And and you may not have known you were doing that for a while, right? So a lot of times we can stop and think about just what we do. So you can Mm -hmm. think when, 
when do I feel not overwhelmed and when do I feel overwhelmed and what's happening in my environment and how is my body positioned during both of those situations. So remembering that this anxious yet deeply feeling personality style comes from the sensory experience of being over-responsive or hypersensitive to information in the environment. So when we're talking about having deep feelings, those feelings are directly related to the sensory experience. Absolutely. Right. And so when you're advocating for your needs and and you're tapping into that feeling where we're really referencing the feeling in your body and the feeling from the environment. So what things are coming at your body or coming from your body that are not comfortable? Is it a sight? Is it a sound? Is it movement? Um, is it a smell? Is it a touch? Right? Is it all of them? Um, what part of those sensations are over-responsive for you? Absolutely. And then in thinking of that too, we often have things that are maybe our quote unquote safe stuff, right? So for our kids, sometimes they have a safe food or they have a comfy outfit that they like to wear on the ride home from the big event. And it's okay, you can do that for you too. So I think that a lot of this is reflecting, but then also taking a perspective shift of I'm going to do this for my child so they feel comfortable, but we want you to feel comfortable also. So maybe, you know, bring sweatpants for the way home or bring your safe food for the way home or um, offer to bring a dish that includes something that you like to eat if the smells and tastes are overwhelming to you. Um, So how do we set yourself up so that you know that you're going to be comfortable in the situation? And again, nobody even needs to know the why behind it. So for our kids, we just talked about that, right? It's like, do they have to wear that outfit? Like, Do you have to wear that outfit, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And what other ways of being can you create for everybody? Mm -hmm. I remember years ago, I decided to advocate for myself a little bit and say, um, I think I've referenced this in the other podcasts where I tend to be more over-responsive and my mother-in-law tends to be very under-responsive. She needs more information in her environment. So I said, okay, it's going to be noisy. It's going to be loud. There's going to be music constantly. The TV is going to be on the whole time. It's going to be pajama Christmas from now on, right? So, yeah. <laughs> um, so I said, guess what? We're having pajama Christmas. Everybody's wearing their pajamas all day, every day. And, you know, for the whole Christmas celebration, we're all showing up in PJs. And everybody loves it, uh, yeah, right? The kids, great. everybody yeah. loves it. And it came from my own need to have my safe stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. I need to be cozy. If mm-hmm. I'm going to have all this external stuff coming towards my body, I need that, right? Yeah. <laughs> I need this cozy thing. Um, and similarly, I just I just said to my husband, I'm making pasta on Christmas. Like I know you guys are gonna have all the things that you've had your whole fit your whole, you know, life, and we don't like it. Like my my me and my daughter, we don't like it. We just need pasta. We just need a simple dish that we're gonna be in our pajamas and carbon out, and then we're gonna be comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> And allowing yourself that, right, for it changes everything because you've now made it fun for you, fun for your daughter. And I also think we're giving our kids these lifelong skills too of you can advocate for yourself and it's okay to be comfortable and it's okay to change the way that things have always been done which sometimes does not always feel great, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. (laughs) It's not always easy. Um, But also, so with that, setting the expectations beforehand. So I do highly recommend uh, Brene Brown has a book, Atlas of the Heart, that really talks about these expectations and different emotions. Um, And for me, that helped also reframe this of how do I set my expectations that we're not uh, mind readers too. So that's a, a definite recommend if you have a hard time with advocating for yourself or shifting to setting expectations. Another piece that I know you talk about is, 
you know, we, we talked about giving our kids a safe space, right? So our kids yes. who identify with the sensory emotional personality style or who are tending to be more over responsive or hypersensitive to sensations, having them have a space that they can go to. Mm-hmm. And as adults, that's a little trickier, right? Because we can't just go play in the corner, right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, or go to a tent in the corner as much as we would mm-hmm. like to. Um, but we can still find a place, right? So we can still, you had mentioned picking a seat, right? Mm-hmm. And having mm-hmm. that be your spot. Mm-hmm. So you might have a spot that makes you feel comfortable and that can be your place. Um, any other thoughts on the, the safe space idea? Sure. So one I actually used yesterday, we had a family party and um, my son and I took a walk outside to drop presents in the car. So that was our way of having a safe space. He, he has the same profile as I do. And I could see both of us were getting a little overwhelmed. So we were able to get outside in the fresh air. But again, it was very natural. So it wasn't something that felt that I was creating, you know, making it harder for myself it was just oh let's go drop these in the car and we were able to get outside we took a little walk we dropped the presents off and we came back um so just kind of taking in the environment and that's the the yet side too of this profile is being able to read the room so see, really take in the environment see where it might be safe um bathroom breaks are a good one too or um, maybe if you're oh i'll take this out to the garage the box is out to the garage just to give yourself a second to take a deep breath um where it might be quiet less overwhelm again from the sensory experiences that uh, you're having Um, So we'll move on here to our unaware yet deep thinking, sensory emotional personality. And um, we think about this for our kids and it's the same exact way of being for us, which is if we are less sensitive to information from the environment or from our body, where we actually feel better when we have more information to our body. So I do find that this is a sensory emotional personality when we talk about with adults that they don't necessarily recognize that they are taking less information in from the environment because they've done it their whole life. So for kids, it might be more obvious um, where we see difficulty participating in tasks because of the decreased body awareness. But for uh, adults, we've kind of learned to do things we need to do, right? So it's less obvious. Uh, but we, but when I mentioned the idea of do you feel better when you're up and moving, right? Do you feel better on the days that you get more input to your body? That's an easier one to identify. And that's because you're giving yourself the input that you don't automatically receive, right? So you're less sensitive and you're, you're gaining more input through that activation. So when we don't have that input, some of the things that you may recognize being is more unmotivated, um, just needing a lot to get up and going. So if you're somebody who's a lot of adults will say, I'm not a morning person, right? That might be an identifier here of just being a little bit harder to activate and upregulate. Um, unfortunately, we may have been called lazy in the past, right, where we, we don't do the things that we are supposed to do fast enough or on time and and maybe have been called lazy in the past. Um, so we're missing cues of the surrounding and of others. So in this experience, it could be that someone has told you they have to tell you something multiple times, right? So it's like, oh, I've asked you so many times. And you say, really? Right? I didn't actually hear you say it the first couple times. Um, or I'm going, right? So like, did you take the garbage out? Did you flip the laundry? Did you do the dishes? Like, I'm doing it, right? Where our body's like, I'm getting there, right? But to the outside person, it doesn't look like you're getting there because you're actually not moving yet, right? Um, So 
the other side of this is that things seem to sneak up on you. So just like that, when somebody's saying like, I told you already, and you're like, what do you mean? I didn't hear you say that, or no, you didn't. Um, a, an event may happen and you may say, what, where did that come from? Right? What, what is going on right now? Um, so you're just like a little bit less sensitive to the things going on around you. Um, another experience that these, that adults with this, um, SEP experience are people asking us often what's wrong, right? And you're like, what do you mean? Everything's fine. And it's because your affect, just the way that you present your body is lower than other people would expect, right? Less information coming from your body because you're getting less information to your body. So you're a little bit slower to pick up on social cues from other people, a little bit um, off guard by invitations to communicate with you. And people will often say, you know, what, what, what are you doing? What's wrong? You're not paying attention, right? What do you date? You might be a daydreamer, right? Why are you dreaming? What are you thinking about? Right. And you're, what are you talking about? I'm just hanging out. Um, so you could have difficulty maintaining attention to conversations, right? Where you tune out and you just sort of lose the flow of what that person's saying. So you kind of are daydreaming, right? Because there's if that person particularly is not highly affective, right? So kind of like the Charlie Brown voice, right? We were watching Charlie Brown Christmas the other day, the wah, 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 right? That's what happens if people are not interesting enough to you, where they just tune them completely out because they're not breaking that barrier for you. They're not creating enough input for your body to be interesting. The flip side of this is that um, these individuals tend to be very deep thinkers and they're highly interested in knowing more about certain things. Right. And so the things that they're interested in, they'll tend to make lots of connections between ideas that they have. They may be creators of new ideas or thoughts or theories um, or may always have something deep to talk about. So you might identify with that side. Um, and ultimately, why that we believe that happens is when something doesn't become interesting enough in the environment or from our body to get up and go, we live in our thoughts right? We live in our head a little bit more, uh, which is wonderful. It's a wonderful place to be for, for individuals that identify with this. And you can also have both, right? So this is me as well. So I am over-responsive to certain things in my environment, but definitely under-responsive to information from my body. If I don't get up and go, I don't get up and go, right? Um, and I do tend to be a deep thinker. Um, part of the reason why we're here is that this model, right? This I, I attribute that deep thinking and the ability to make connections between ideas to living in my head maybe more often than I would if I had more opportunities to get up and going. So um, our yets on this side is actually that deep thinking capacity, right? So how do we tap into that ability to think deeper to help us build the interest and engagement and exploration when we need to not be in our head, right? We need to be more involved in the environment. Um, so I'll kick it back over to Anne-Marie for some ideas. Great. So as you've said for yourself, right? So if when you get up in the morning, if you don't get up and go, it's tricky to get up and go, right? So one thing that I want um, people to think about who identify in this profile is with our shift in schedules, how can you build that get up and go into your new routine? So we always think about how this impacts our kids that you know, winter break is coming or there's a change in routine and how tricky that's going to be for their bodies. But sometimes we forget that it alters our routine too. So maybe when they're at school, you go to the gym or maybe part of your morning routine is you wake up before they wake up and you go for a morning run. 
but you know in their home and maybe you want to snuggle in bed a little bit longer and make pancakes it might be a little trickier to get up and move so I, I invite you to really take time to reflect on what your body needs and how you can build that into your daily routines regardless of what that schedule might look like so make it a priority um, so that you can get yourself into that just right place because um, sometimes when we don't get up and go it can if we don't realize that this is happening it can be a little tricky right like we can feel like what why do I feel this way um, I want to be enjoying this time with my kids but I'm feeling kind of sluggish um, and particularly because in that moment, it feels better to not get up and yes, go, right? Exactly, so exactly. when your body is truly under responsive, yes. it doesn't say you need input. Absolutely. You have to tell it yes. it needs input. Yes. Right. right? So right. just like you said, I definitely re- uh, relate to the idea of like, oh, I'm just going to have a lazy morning mm-hmm. instead of going for my run. It feels so nice. And then yeah. <laughs> three hours later, I'm like a miserable human yes. being to be around, yes. right? Like Absolutely. I'm cranky and I'm lashing out yep. and I'm grumpy and, and that there's zero reason for me to be that way Mm -hmm. other than the fact that I chose to stay in the under-responsive space Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. lounge Mm -hmm. and not push through that and tell myself, no, you actually do need to still do that. Yes. This is for your body. Yeah. 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 And then it can be hard, right? Like you said too, because now you're under-responsive. It's hard sometimes to recognize, especially if you didn't realize this was your profile of or your personality that, oh, it's probably because I didn't move, right? So then we start to inwardly reflect and sometimes that guilt can kick in too, right? Like, oh oh, man, this is is the one week we have off and, you Mm -hmm. know, it's tricky. Mm -hmm. So pre-planning is a big part of this and uh, there's a lot of reflection that goes into um, these personality types and the strategies that we can use. But as Michelle said earlier, you know, this is um, really a lifelong thing that these these strategies can help you regardless of the time of year that it is um it tends to be a little trickier depending on where you live or the the season that it is that maybe the strategies you use in the summer are not available to you in the winter so again we have to kind of put on those deep thinking caps and say all right how am I going to get this input in this you know different season of the year or different season of life um to to get that input. So one way too during the holidays, if you're thinking about what your family party might look like or engagement might look like, if you have a family that kind of sits around and talks at the table, it might not be enough input for you, right? So I want you to try to think of what roles you can give yourself in those situations so you can get up and go. So maybe you're going to be the helper of cleaning the table and doing the dishes and, you know, you're kind of there and you're in and out, but you're moving. Um, So again, it's natural. Nobody needs to know kind of why you're doing it, but you're able to get yourself in that place and then you can sustain a regulated arousal level for the duration of um, the event. Mm-hmm. So just like with our kids, we talk about how do we get the input in the activity, mm-hmm. right? Absolutely. So we're not right. saying like, let's just stop what we're doing and mm-hmm. go get some input and then go back to what we're doing, which you can do, right? There's two mm-hmm. options. Yes. One would be, how do I take a break and go do what I need to do and then come back, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. might be that situation with like your morning exercise routine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, or, all right, we're here. We're mm-hmm. playing. Yes. I missed my opportunity mm-hmm. for my input mm-hmm. that I mm-hmm. normally would get in the morning. What kind of play can we do together that will upregulate me 
um, while we're also staying engaged with our family. So when there's not an opportunity to keep your same routine and you're not able to figure out how, then you would go into this, all right, this is what we're going to be doing. This is the kind of input that helps me feel great. And how do I put that into this activity? Absolutely. And and using that with your kids too, right? If you can use big affect and be silly and take them on airplane rides and, and be big with them, it'll also help support your body too. So it's a win-win on both sides and you're getting the connection and fun and joy with them as well. Absolutely. Um, so our next sensory emotional personality, this one's a trickier one consistently, adults or kids, to identify and to to work with sometimes. And it sort of presents itself very differently um, than these others that are kind of more easier to, to think about. So this one's called Confused Yet Full of Wonder. And these are individuals who experience a mismatch where their bodies are just not able to do exactly what's expected in the environment. Um, So they may move more than they need to be moving or less than they need to be moving or they may use more force than is needed or place their body in just weird spots or the pacing and timing of actions, including the pacing and timing of conversation, is also tricky, right? Where this might be an individual who misses the flow of the back and forth in a conversation, uh, right? So that might be a way that you may think that this could be you, um, where you tend to talk over somebody or or there's an awkward pause <laughs> between their conversation and your jump in, um, where that just very fluid back and forth doesn't quite work in conversations. Um, or you might be you know, having people say to you, like, why are you, why are you over there? Come over here. Like, what are you doing? You're supposed to be over here, right? Where you're constantly getting feedback of like, what the heck are you doing? Right. (laughs) So when we, when we look at our kids with this profile, we think that like, why would they do that? Like, why would they be doing what they're doing right now? Um, As adults, we just get told that, right? Like, what, what are you doing? Mm -hmm. Um, So it's a difficulty in that efficiency and participating in tasks where it seems like, like you're there, you're available and you're participating, but it feels clunky and it feels awkward. Um, So we don't have that ease of fluidity in participation. Uh, We may also choose things that don't quite match the current situation, right? So our ideas might, people might look at us weirdly when we come up with an idea, like why would we do that right now, right? Um, So we might be playing with our kids and we might do something and they're like, no, that's not it. That's not what we're doing, right? Um, or or we might say sit around and brainstorm with adult friends about what we want to do that weekend, you know, and we might have this great idea that we think is wonderful and everyone's like, no, right? <laughs> and moving on to the next yeah. one. So we end up where our comments, our ideas feel awkward in the situation. Um, we might feel a little bit flustered about what to do and how to do that. So we, there may be some awareness of that where we're like, I don't really know if I'm going to offer this idea because in the past you thought I was crazy, right? So Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm not really sure how to contribute to this conversation. Um, The other side of this is instead of being confused or surprised by how we fit in an environment, we could be full of wonder, right? We might be that person who encourages lots of exploration and experimentation, uh, and we may be embraced to be that person, right? Where somebody wants to know our ideas because they're always a little bit crazy, right? And then, so we might be that person who is the one that wants to experiment and explore a little bit differently than everybody else, and we are the point person for that idea. Uh, we also might 
be the person who likes to tinker and experiment, right? We're always kind of messing with something. Um, so I know I, I'll often say this to my husband, like, why are you always messing with things, right? Like, why can't you just be around us? You just have to get up and go mess with something. Um, and so, you know, we might be, it might be a positive in some situations, but it could feel tricky in other situations where it doesn't quite match what's expected. So if we identify with this sensory emotional personality style, then we are yet here is that sense of wonder and to that tendency to experiment. So how do we use that experimentation and that wondering of how things work and fit together to support our regulation? So I think for this one, depending on your personality, you can bring a little fun to this, right? Like, oh, call me crazy, but I wonder if we could, you know, do X, Y, Z this weekend or... Uh, you know me and my crazy ideas, but oh, I really was looking into this and look how cool this looks, right? And and kind of making it fun and easygoing um, so that you, a lot, of, a lot of times people who have this personality can feel really frustrated, right? Because what they're doing, again, doesn't match the situation. So they think they're going to match the situation and then they don't. So we see this happen for our kids and for adults that they're they're kind of in this constant state of frustration with that. Why didn't that match? Um, so if we can make this silly, it also helps us too um, to share our ideas and not feel like we need to shut down our ideas, um, but to do it in a way that is, is more maybe welcome. And if you have a person that you consider like a safe person too, like maybe your spouse or your friend that kind of loves those crazy ideas, maybe if, if you're nervous about going to an event, you can pre-talk about these things, right? Like, well, I kind of, what do you think about this idea? Or I kind of wanted, you know, to do this, maybe send them a text. Um, and maybe that would make it feel a little less uh, overwhelming to you, especially if you also identify as like maybe anxious and deeply feeling in your profile. Um, if you're at a party, if maybe there's kids, kids tend, you know, maybe are opening presents and, and if they like to tinker with things, you can be the fun aunt or uncle or grandma or grandpa that's going to help them open these presents and tinker through and explore these new ideas. Um, so you can use this as a strength to explore for both of you. You know, maybe other people aren't as interested in looking at those things or building the Legos or, um, you know, doing the magic set, you know, things like that. Uh, and then if you can also assign yourself like a helper role that's identified, so something that feels good to you, that you know that it's it's a it's a role that you definitely want to do and you can pre-say to the person of, you know, the house that you're going to or if someone's coming to your house to say this is um, the role that I have uh, rather than trying to figure it out when you get there because that can feel really uncomfortable of I'm not really sure how I fit in or I'm not really sure I can't really read the room and try to make it a role that doesn't involve force and pacing because that can be really tricky. So um, those are some some strategies for that profile. Great. I think just like we were mentioning before, like how do you put that yet into a current situation. So you might not realize right now as you're listening to this that that is why this happens, mm -hmm. that your tendency mm -hmm. is to experiment yes. and tinker. And that might be your uh, hopefully a nice aha moment of like, okay, so that's why I need to like get up and go do something random, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Or that's why I feel like I'm not, I'm doing something that I'm not supposed to be doing. Um, it's because I need to tinker and experiment, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And how can I experiment 
and be in that role and fulfill that piece for my body of finding the just right way of being in the current situation that matches what everybody else is doing. Absolutely. And I think when you are able to change other people's perspective on that too, then they look to you for help, right? So then you get to fulfill your personality and feel really good about it rather than maybe feeling awkward about it. Um, So it supports on both ends and then it supports the relationship as well. Absolutely. So there's lots of opportunities for that in the holidays when everybody, like who wants to put the toys together? It's like, (laughs) clearly I'm not this personality style because not me, right? Um, But it sometimes takes a lot of like, what if I do this? What if I do this? What if I try that? How does this fit? What does this fit? Right? Um, You're the perfect person. And you might have been told like, wow, you're so patient with these things, right? So thrive on that, be in that, (laughs) take it and run. Um, And the kids love it. So go with it. Absolutely. (laughs) Um, that takes us to our needy yet compassionate sensory emotional personality and for this sensory emotional personality this are our individuals who tend to need a little bit more help with their bodies Um, usually like lower strength lower endurance within their bodies just not having um, a strong literally having strength within within the body So how do we know if this sensory emotional personality is part of your way of being? So some of us do know, right? I I just am not very strong, right? Um, It's hard for me to do things that require a lot of strength or I can't really keep up with things. I have a lower endurance. Uh, We may not realize that, but we may recognize the fact that we prefer sedentary activities over movement activities um, or that it's just hard for us to get off the couch, right? Where we feel a little bit glued to the couch or the chair, especially if it's a supported seating surface for us where where it's easy for us to sit in that space. Uh, It could feel really hard for us to get up from that space. Um, So you'll hear some overlap here with our sensory under responsive. I think the difference here is that the when we get input, it could actually be more fatiguing, right? So we do need to get up and going in order to support our uh, postural stability in our body's ability to feel strong and and brave and moving. Um, however, we could also fatigue very quickly from that opportunity. So uh, another example could be that you have trouble getting your body to share attention with others, right? So you may say that people may tell you you're not paying attention to them. You're not looking at me. Look at me. I want to show you this. Come, I want you to show you this. But it just feels like a lot of effort to orient your body towards sharing that with another person. The positive side of this way of being is that you tend to really like to snuggle and hold and be held and tend to be very highly affectionate because it provides support for your body, right? So when you're snuggling somebody and you're um, holding on to somebody or you've got your arm wrapped around somebody or sitting right next to somebody with your body nice and tight and close, that's the same as having your body supported by a very good seated surface. Um, so it tends, it just feels good to be held. And so you tend to be a cuddler. You also find a lot of motivation in helping. Um, we believe that the connection here is for our little guys and likely for us as adults is we, we know what it feels like to need help. So when we provide help and we can be the one to be helping instead of being helped, it feels really good. So you may identify with finding a lot of joy and satisfaction in helping others. 
So that might be a piece where you say, yes, I do. I do actually really like helping others. And I do maybe even have a job that that I help others during. Um, and it just feels really good for me. Or I find ways to help others, even if I don't, I can't do that in my everyday life, but I tend to find ways to do that. Um, so dig a little deeper and, and think about like, is there a connection here to your body at all? So in order to tap into that compassionate side, right, we want to think about how do we identify with that helping desire to help you feel stable, strong, and powerful to just be able to actually literally have the strength to get through everything that needs to be done for the holidays. Yep. So we want you to embrace the helper role, but also be aware, as Michelle was saying, of how much energy is that all taking from you, right? So um, I want you to try to think of what's a role that would allow you to be a helper if that makes you feel good that's not going to exhaust you. Um, so this is also true of some of the adults that we work with that have chronic pain, chronic fatigue, you know, different conditions, that they have to be mindful of their energy that they're expending before going to an event or even what they're doing the day before. Um, so this time of year can be really tricky because there's lots of things going on, right? So you're expending a lot of energy that you might not typically be doing. So if you are someone that has postural challenges or if you're low endurance, um, you could feel like, oh my goodness, like I have, I'm on E, you know, I have nothing left. So I want you to really be intentional about this as well of how can you build in these rest breaks, doing things in quick bursts and then having a rest and really reflecting on what your typical week looks like. So you may naturally have Mondays as your meeting days and not really realize that, oh, it's because your body, you know, it feels good because your body's recuperating from a long weekend and that typically feels good. But then you're in a situation where the schedule changes and now it's winter break and um, or the holidays or the summer, different things like that, where you don't have that natural break. And now you have to try to find a way to give yourself that break. So scheduling these rest, rest breaks in, you know, are, are really helpful. So as Michelle was talking about earlier, when you're considering seating for your body that's going to be supportive, we want to consider that it can be tricky for us to orient our bodies. So taking that into account as well. So when you're when you are out somewhere, even if you're in your own house and maybe your kids are opening presents, where can you position your body that you're seated and supported, but also positioned in a place that you can orient more easily? Um, this will help you engage more and and feel like you're more a part of this process without putting extra effort into it. Um, and a lot of times too, when we go to these family events, if there's a lot of people, we might be sitting on the floor. So something that I want you to consider too is where can you put yourself on the floor that your back is also supported? Um, a lot, especially if we're at parties with littles that want to be on our lap that we love to snuggle with, we want to be able to snuggle with them because we love it, but also support our bodies with maybe, you know, leaning up against the couch at the same time. Um, so different things like that to kind of position our body in a helpful way. Okay. Um, so our final sensory emotional personality is our scattered yet intentional and passionate personality style. And this is mostly related to what's called motor planning, um, which is the ability to take in all the information from the environment, from your body and organize it in a split second to participate in what needs to be done. So it's the planning, taking in and planning and sequencing, okay, this is what I have to do. And then the coordination that's involved in that. 
Um, so often we'll see differences in in one. Sometimes we see both areas, but um, if you consider yourself highly coordinated, this could still be you. Um, it could be more in the situations where it's a novel or unexpected or new scenario where you really need to rely on taking in the information from the environment in your body in a second to participate and be involved. So you could prefer and have very good motor skills and, and tend towards activities that you're very good at with your body, um, but it's more those in-the-moment quick decisions that you need to make to participate. So difficulty coming up with ideas and things to do um, is definitely part of this profile where we're, we're not quick to have ideas or quick to know how and what to do. Uh, we could be very dysregulated by change where something comes up last minute or something that we're doing is not the way that it usually is. That could feel very uncomfortable and very dysregulating. Uh, we could have big emotional responses to that or we could just stop doing what we're doing, right? And just walk away. So being overwhelmed by lots of plans, right? Or you're feeling like, wait, 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 what, what, what are we doing? Wait, what are we doing? Right? What come, what's, what, how, what's happening next? Where are we going next? Right? And just not feeling comfortable with having multiple things to do, which this time of year becomes very, very tricky for those of us who identify with this sensory emotional personality because there's always different plans. And as much as you can put them on your calendar, as much as you can think about what's going to happen, inevitably, it's just feels different to your body although you may have control of it, right? Where you're saying, I got this, I know what's happening today. And you might be reminding yourself throughout the day of all the different steps that you have to do. You still are feeling like uncomfortable, overwhelmed, just a little bit dysregulated and a little bit full. Your, your coping cup is full. Um, you can have difficulty keeping up with the logical fl flow of things where you need to stop and actually think about what has to happen in what order in order to accomplish something. Uh, which could make you hesitant to join things, right? Where you're unsure how to do a specific activity or unsure how to accomplish something. So you need that extra time to kind of figure out the flow. Um, and sometimes you take that time and do it, or other times you might find yourself saying, nope, I don't want to do that. I'm good. I don't have to participate in that. So the other side of this is that we might be able to, we might tend to take control, of situations and be the leader in, in in our life, right? We might be the organizer and the one that says, okay, this is what we're doing. It's going to happen like this, this, and this, right? And and if we're, we don't get to be the leader, that's when we feel uncomfortable, right? So we could be the one that's always trying to kind of take the mic, right? <laughs> but wait, this is what we're going to do. Nope, this is how we're going to do it. So you could be the organizer, right? That's, that's that intentional and passionate side of this sensory emotional personality is that we very intentionally decide to be the organizer and we very passionately make our plans what we can do, right? Um, so we may not want to do the new holiday activity because we might say things like that's not what we always do, right? And, and you might find comfort, extra comfort and extra purpose behind traditions because traditions are the same plan. So if we do the traditions the way we always do the transitions, we do the plan. When something's new in that tradition, that's uncomfortable because now our plan is totally different. So you could try to take control of that and demand more of the same of the, and, and blame it on the tradition, right? So if you're very strong on traditions, 
you might second guess that a little bit right now hearing this and say, well, why do I always need something to be the same? Um, or you might be able to talk your way, your way through it, right? So you might be able to say, okay, this is different than I thought, but it's okay. I'm going to do this and then I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this and it's actually going to be okay, right? And that would be a positive side of that. So we want to use things like that. We want to use, tap into that intentional, passionate side of the sensory emotional personality to help us feel organized, to help us persist through changes and through new routines, and to feel confident that we're going to be able to do that. Okay, so as Michelle said, we want to try to be the organizer, the leader, which likely already feels comfortable to us. So you might be listening to this and identify like, oh, yeah, all right, maybe that's why I've been told I was bossy before or, you know, I'm the demanding one. But really, it was supporting your profile, right? Or it could be, oh, you know, so-and-so, they always, they've always got it together and they always throw these great parties and um, this is what they're really intentional and passionate about. And, and try to thrive in that, like try to say, okay, you know, this is what I love this time of year, because I love, you know, doing th- things in this way. Um, and you can use it as a strength. And the benefit of this too, is when you're the leader, you can also assign roles. So when Michelle was talking earlier about how this can also show up in motor coordination, uh, if that's tricky for you, you can say, okay, you know, you, I need help doing this and, and carrying out this task and I need help wrapping the presents because wrapping presents is likely tricky if you have motor coordination uh, difficulties. So you can really feel um, in control and confident in that. And it also sometimes helps other people know what their roles can be because not everybody knows what their roles are. So the other people in your family um, might identify some of these other personalities and they might need someone to tell them what to do. So it's it, we can find this ebb and flow within our family dynamics of how to support uh, everyone. Um, and if you have maybe a child that also needs to be the director, then maybe, you know, you get make little hats that you guys are the director directors of the of the holiday um, and help other people know what to do. I like to have a check-in person. So this for me definitely is a personality that I identify with. So my husband will check in with me when the plans change. So I have a very hard time with that. Um, so he always has me pause and say, okay, is it that you don't actually want to go do this? Or is it that the plan is not what we thought it was going to be, you know? Um, So having that check-in person kind of helps you say, okay, you can reflect on it. Yes, I do actually want to go do this. I know it's going to be fun. I need a second to reframe what I was expecting to happen. Um, And that can really help so that you can find that joy because otherwise it can feel not so fun. Uh, And you can have a lot of anxiety and a lot of worry and, you know, maybe just not want to go at all. So um, definitely, yeah. That is such a huge one is to just know, like, so if that explosive response is something that you identify with, it's very (laughs) likely that this is part of your profile, right? Where you're like, no, I don't want to do that. I'm just not going. I'm just not doing that. (laughs) I don't want to do that. Um, It's this idea of surprise, right? So that was a surprise mm-hmm. for me mm-hmm. and being able to pause and say, was I just surprised or do I actually hate this idea, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, do I actually hate this or do it was my body just feel very surprised and unsure of the plan? Yeah. Yeah. And then also, right. So if you have a child that also identifies this and they, they're having an explosive reaction and you're having an explosive reaction, it can feel not so great. And it's like, well, why are we even going? 
right? But if you have that pause to say, wait a minute, okay, we do really want to go ice skating and we really like the family that we're going with, <laughs> but it's just that, you know, the time changed or this ice rink was full or, you know, whatever it might be that changed your plan, um, you can still find joy in these activities. It's just a reframe of the experience. And then as we talked about before too, talking through what might happen. So even though no matter how much we talk through it or put it on the calendar and all of these other things, if you can talk through what might happen, it does help reframe in your brain things that could happen, right? So you might only think that this is the way it's going to go and you have one idea in your head and that's the way it's going to go. But if you have someone that can also help you say like, well, but, you know, this this could be, this place could be closed. Um, or, you know, we can't pre-buy tickets, so we might have to wait an hour. Or the restaurant might not have the food that we thought they were going to have. Then it kind of eases the blow a little bit when things do go unexpected. Because that's life, right? Like, things are not going to go as we expect. Um, like we do here in sessions with the yes. kids, like making plan Bs. Like, yes. <laughs> okay, it's like we need a plan B, yeah. right? Um, so let's work on that plan B beforehand. Like, when mm-hmm. do you think you're going to need a plan B? Mm-hmm. And what might that plan B be? <laughs> yep, 100%. We do that with my son with ice cream all the time. He likes blueberry pie ice cream, which is not very common. <laughs> so we always have that as plan one and then plan B, plan C, plan D. <laughs> but it helps set the expectation. And then it also helps you feel in control, right? Because you actually helped make those other plans. So it doesn't feel as surprising. Great. And so I think an important part to think about as we are summarizing here is that you likely identify with at least one of these ways of being and the ways of processing and responding. And particularly if you, if this last one felt really meaningful to you, um, the way that we move our body relates to how much information and what information we take in. So a lot of what we talked about before getting to this last sensory emotional personality is the sensory processing side of it. It's how do we get the information into our body from the environment and from our body and organize it to respond. So if the responding, the quick changing, the quick responding is tricky, then you need to go back again and listen to the ones we just talked about because those are kind of the precursors to this final one, right? Um, meaning that the strategies that we provided for the other sensory emotional personalities will likely also help you in addition to the ones we just went over for these the scattered yet intentional and passionate and when we support those others we have more availability in our coping mechanisms to handle change so for example if you know that you're sensory under responsive you're less sensitive and you need and benefit from more input to your body and you don't have that input to your body, and then there's a schedule change, that is like a double whammy, right? So now your body is already dysregulated because you didn't regulate it through input like you need normally. And now there's this big change that I have to plan and organize myself to do. And you're going to have less body input to make that quick change because you didn't give your body the additional input it needed at the beginning of the day. Um, or if you're sensor, re- recognizing more as being over-responsive or hypersensitive to input and you've just had a whole day of more input, right? And you've had lots of different sights and sounds and smells and movement and thing that you typically don't have. And then you expected something to happen that evening and it doesn't happen. You're very much more likely to not be able to adapt to that change and that plan and make a plan or have a plan B because your body's not organized in a way that provides your sensory information to do that. 
So just kind of take a holistic run through of all of these and say, wow, if I got all the way to this one and I didn't quickly think about any of those other ones, just go back and think about it again because some of those other strategies will also support your regulation throughout the holiday season as well. So that brings us to the end of our, our conversation about you and your own sensory emotional personality as an adult. Uh, we hope you found this helpful and we will definitely be circling back in the new year to talk more about this topic as well as the others that we've been sharing. Um, this concludes our holiday specialties <laughs> for our, our podcast series here. Um, so if, if you just tuned in now and thinking about yourself for the holidays, you can go back to our earlier ones. The last several uh, have been focusing on different ways of being in the holiday season. So Anne-Marie, thanks for being with us. Thank you for having me. And I know you'll be back in the new year. Thank you. Can't wait. Thank you for joining us for this special edition, and we hope you find yourselves in a regulated and joyful state this holiday season. If you have any specific wonders about the way that your child's processing the world and the emotional expression of that sensory motor capacity, please visit our website, greatkidsplace.com. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Please note that the content shared in this podcast is being provided for educational and informational purposes only and should not be considered a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. The resources provided are not intended to be therapeutic interventions and individuals should consult with qualified healthcare professionals for personalized guidance regarding their occupational therapy and mental health needs. See you next time.